0: The skill set is very large. You know, you have to be able to public speak. You have to be able to manage a budget that's often over a million dollars. You know, it's like running a business, but it's not, right? And you have to be able to counsel people, and you have to be able to do a wedding. There's just, it's a large variety of things, and it can be challenging.
1: Choosing the ministry over law in order to be closer with the people she wanted to serve, Michelle Erickson Waters, Dartmouth ninety six found that she was using a very large skill set to manage and attend to her congregation side by side with her husband. When they expanded their personal flock to six, she decided she'd take a different role within the church and expand her skill set in other ways to tend to the family. Find out how faith and flexibility are often the best guideposts on today's Roads Taken with me, Leslie Jennings Rowley. Today I am here with Michelle Erickson Waters, and we are going to talk about finding your people and finding the ways that kind of having faith puts you in the place where you're supposed to be. And so I wanted to welcome you here today. Michelle, thanks so much for being willing to talk to us. Thank you. This
0: is definitely fun. I'm really happy to be on. And I have listened to a couple of your episodes, actually more than a couple of your episodes. And it's just been really fun to hear what people have to say and what they're doing.
1: Excellent. So then, you know, I start these with the same question. When we were in college, who did you think you were and who did you think you'd become?
0: Well, um... Dartmouth was, a, as many have said, was kind of a culture shock, definitely. I grew up in Minneapolis. Um, I got to Dartmouth for a variety of reasons, but one of which was playing hockey. And so I grew up playing hockey in Minnesota, and I was recruited to play at Dartmouth. And I went to a very big public inner city high school in Minneapolis. So when I got to Dartmouth, most of my teammates you know, went to Andover, or Exeter, Loomis-Chaping, mm-hmm. all these places that everyone out there knows. and I could not believe existed. (laughs) So Dartmouth was kind of a shock, but a great shock. I loved, I loved it. I love the people I met. I love playing hockey. I love the experience I got to have. I did a Tucker fellowship while I was there. I was probably a little burnt out getting there. You know, the things you have to do to to get to a place like Dartmouth. It's a lot. And so when I was there, my the joys that I found and the things that I truly love were people and I think experiences. I led a couple freshman trips Um, I was really involved in a ministry called Navigators, and I studied in France. I kind of did all the things, you know, and I loved it. Um, But I majored in history and minored in French, and I wouldn't say that they were my, you know, my thing so much. Um, I thought I wanted to go to law school, so I was kind of just doing a history major because that was, you know, fairly logical. And it was while I was in Texas doing that uh, Tucker Fellowship that I was studying for the LSATs, and I was like why am I doing this? (laughs) I was working in the kind of job that I thought I wanted. I was doing some pro bono work on the border with refugees. And for lawyers who were doing pro bono work, I'm sorry, I was just kind of their underling. But it was very focused on, you know, grant writing and paperwork and all the things you have to do when you're trying to help people and you don't get money for it. Right. And that's not what I wanted to do. I mean, I actually wanted to work with people and be with people. So I was kind of being led away from that, and I had always in the back of my mind kind of felt a calling to some kind of ministry in the church. And so I was attending a great Lutheran church in um, McAllen, Texas, where I was living, and I was actually living with some nuns. So it was a very surreal experience. But anyways, I um, sort of decided to pursue that route, and instead of applying to law school, I started applying to divinity school. <laughs> And wow. yeah, it's a long story. We'll get properly
1: to where my husband comes in.
0: So I ended up going to Yale Divinity School instead of some kind of law school.
1: Yeah. So you did mention your husband oh. and I actually sang with your husband. I know.
0: But- oh, that's actually, I met him because of the Dodex. I used to follow him around
1: kind of. Yeah. We had a couple groupies. Yes, yeah, you definitely yeah. did. And I'm, I'm glad they're, you know, love, love blossomed because you, you had a huge impact on his trajectory and his future and, um, kind of
0: convoluted and crazy. But, um, he, I mentioned the Dodex, he sang the song, his solo was Brown Eyed Girl for a while. (laughs) And this was when he had like the long hair and these little tiny glasses. And I loved Van Morrison and I thought he was cute. So I kind of followed around to listen to that, right? Well, I never met him anything until his senior year, our junior year, we were at a party, I think at Casking, Gotland, or something like that. And um, my best friend was dating his best friend at the time. And Eric was there literally with a shaved head and a beard and wearing, by his senior year, he had gone through some weird awakening and he was like a minimalist and he was literally wearing one pair of Carhartts basically all year. Well, I didn't even know it was the same person that sang in the Dodex when we met because the, the appearance was nothing the same. I mean, he went from long hair to being bald. The whole thing. So we're just chatting and talking, and he and his friends are looking at some pictures. And I was like, "Wait!" And I did a double take, looked at him, looked at the picture, and I was like, "Wait, that was you? Like you're the dark, you're the Dodec guy?" And he was like, "Yeah." And I think we had a glass of wine or two or something. And I was like, "I loved you when you sang with the Dodec. I threw it all out." and the rest is history. <laughs>
1: but I mean, he, you're right, he did kind of go through this period yeah. of like, he went off to Siberia. And then we're like, wow, you're different oh, and gosh. focused and have this entire world. And so the two of you went off to Yale Divinity together. Yeah, so actually, right?
0: we ended up funny story, we basically broke up because he was leaving for Siberia. And I was going to go on to seminary. And that was the spring of my junior year. You know, he was graduating. I left the spring of my junior year to do the Tucker Fellowship. He was going to graduate and go to Siberia. So sadly, cried many, many tears. But we broke up and um, continued to write to each other and continue to be friends when he went to Siberia. I knew he was in a spiritual process. I think I mentioned the minimalism. He was also like trying to do Tai Chi and do different things. He was searching for something. And so I was praying for him, to be honest with you. And so while he was in Siberia, the Lord spoke to him in a dramatic fashion. And long story short, there's a lot of other things that happened, But he ends up becoming a Christian while he's in Siberia. And um, he comes back. He decides to go to seminary as well. But he was thinking maybe he would be some kind of professor. Uh, he's very academic and very good teacher and stuff. But anyways, as we were there, he also felt the call to more um, ministry. And so we have been doing that for, I don't know, 20 some plus years. Yeah, 24 years. Well, we've almost been married 24 years. We've been in the ministry probably 20.
1: Yeah. So you're both pastors. We are. And now you even co-host a podcast, yes. Pastors Confidential, right? <laughs> we tell it all. We tell it all. I love it. Confidential. <laughs> now, that's kind
0: of just a fun outgrowing. We have moved. So we serve churches in Fargo, North Dakota, Columbus, Ohio, and now we're in Bernie, Texas. And when you serve a church, you know, you you just are so involved with the lives, weddings, funerals, tragedies, joys, all of it. And it's hard to leave. You know, it's really hard to leave. And so um, modern technology is just such that we can stay in touch so nicely. And we love just being people from Ohio. Listen to you know our old church people. They listen to us. And so I don't know how much of a following we have beyond that, but we love it. We love staying connected with people we don't get to see anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you do, you you certainly have your um, community where you are Mm -hmm. now, um, but you also have a pastoral care unit within your home. (laughs) It's it's like its own church. Uh, Tell me, tell me about your family. Okay.
0: So we have uh, six children. Our oldest is 20 and she's a sophomore in college. She just turned 20, which is like mind blowing have a 20-year-old child, I I don't even know. It's over. I guess I'm done. Um, and then my youngest is eight. He's in third grade. I have two girls and four boys um, in that order. And it is, yeah, mass chaos all the time and fun and crazy and sometimes over the top. Like you said, I am a pastor, but I took a very early retirement. We served in Fargo together at that church. I was on the staff. And then um, when our fourth child came along, I really felt it. Uh, desire to homeschool all my kids. We did that for ten years, and I took I stepped back from staff ministry and uh, homeschooled them.
1: Yeah, so tell me about that because that is it's a it's just a different kind of connecting and kind of doing the same kind of work that you do. Mm-hmm. I would imagine in a congregation of kind of sh- you know showing paths and opening ideas up to people, mm-hmm. but in a very personal way. So talk about that journey for you to become kind of the teacher of these people that, you know, you, you do care so much about the outcome. Right. Um, I
0: absolutely loved our time homeschooling. Um, my oldest kids who got, who did it for the longest also loved it. It's so flexible. And so you can study what you want to study. You know, you obviously hit the basics, but you can go down these crazy trails that they get interested in. And I will say, you know, I started with two girls and schooling girls is a lot different than schooling boys. And so once like four of them came along right in rapid succession, it got to be a lot. It really did. It was fun at all times, but a lot too. Um, also my oldest, you know, was starting to study high level math. She actually did not go to school until sophomore year in high school. So, you know, we got pretty far along with her and we were also studying Latin and whatnot. It just at the same time, I was teaching phonics to like a six year old. Right. So it was pretty intense. Um, and so when we moved to Te- it was great, though, when we moved to Texas, we for the first time felt pretty confident about the about the public schools. And we also found out that you can't do sports and stuff in Texas and be homeschooled. So in Ohio, you could. So my kids could like run, you know, run their teams and do all their things. But in Texas, they do not allow that. So we kind of were forced a little bit into a different venture because they're all very involved in that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, interesting. So that's great that you felt comfortable um, kind of making, helping them make that transition. Yeah. But then that kind of leaves you in a d- very different very role. Very different, yeah. different kinds of time
0: on your hands. Oh my hands. goodness, like night and day. <laughs> all my children were at school all day. I was like, wait, what's happening? <laughs>
1: Right. So when you're able to give that out to someone else, many someone else's doing the job that you had been doing alone, what do you think about as your own, I, you know, reclaiming your identity and your time? Yeah, it's a great question. So I've always, because my
0: work in the church can kind of be as on staff or not, you know what I'm saying? I can, I've always like taught a Bible study or I've always, I do a lot of writing as well on a blog, which is a little defunct right now, but I've written several books, et cetera. And so there's always been I haven't ever had a problem finding something to do I should say this is the first church my husband's the lead pastor at this church where in the past either we've been associates or he's been an associate and so um my role is a little different here as like the wife of the senior pastor so I do a lot of stuff (laughs) I'm I keep myself fairly busy. And I love it. I just love the freedom of, you know, if I want to teach this, I'm going to teach this. If I want to speak at this, I'm going to go there. I can write, do all the things. We, We serve a ministry for those in poverty, and I get to be really involved in that. And so it's great. It's very flexible. It's awesome. You know, but I really have to be around. I mean, when you have six other people, there's always something. Six other kids, you know, there's just this one needs this, or this one forgot that, or you're home for this. You know, it's just, it's pretty much mass chaos.
1: (laughs) Right. And it's so interesting when you do have those age spans Mm -hmm. that you're, you probably will kind of be getting out of this first stage where other people are kind of like, whoo, empty nest. And then you're going to maybe have another generation. I don't think empty
0: nest is like in my vocabulary. I'm not sure. I'm an eight-year-old still. So yeah, that is interesting. Um, we're in a different stage. I When when my littlest did go to school, he's the only one that went to kindergarten, actually, because he, he was at home with me the first year here in Texas in pre-K, and then he went to kindergarten. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm like the oldest mom in the room, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was a yeah. whole different deal than when my 20-year-old was in kindergarten. So it's fun. It's fun.
1: That will be kind of a constant, at least for the next decade. But tell me a little bit about being called to a particular church or community. Mm -hmm. Is this something where, you know, you're here until you decide, you know, you need to move on, or you hear the call from something else? How how does the the whole profession work? Yeah, that's a good question. And
0: different churches are different. We're in the Lutheran church. And so it's fairly up to you and your leading, you know, by God. But the first time around, you're kind of placed. Like we were placed in Fargo, North Dakota, <laughs> which was fine. That's three hours from I grew up, from where I grew up. It, we loved Fargo, that kind of thing. But people joke about that. They're like, "What did you do to get sent to Fargo?" Right? Um, but no. So the first time around, the bishop kind of places you. But then after that, you um, sort of listen to, yeah, your are calling. Is this? Is am I still being effective here? Like, is there a different opportunity for me? Things like that. And so um, we felt the time was, it was the time to move after about seven years, I guess, seven or eight years in Fargo. And a church in Columbus, Ohio called and said, Hey, we'd like to see if you want to come here. And we had a great eight years in Columbus, Ohio cheering for the Buckeyes and all that, um, which we still do. Yeah. And then um, there's also, you know, the church is a human institution and there's also politics, of course, involved sometimes. And there was some of that a little bit in our last church. So we decided it was time for us to seek other ventures and uh, lo and behold, Eric uh, got excited about Bernie Texas, and it took me a little bit longer to get on board with that. <laughs> but I'm very pleased. I love it here. It's we live in the hill country. It's beautiful, and we don't deal with snow.
1: Um, so, have there been? I'm sure many, but can, kind of share with us the the couple of surprises that you've encountered. You know, once you've taken on this either lifestyle or profession Mm -hmm. or you know however you want to come to that question
0: yeah for sure um I don't think either Eric and I would have ever said we would be the parents of six kids that was kind of a big surprise we've sort of tried to allow the Lord to kind of speak into our lives and lead us and that's how that that happened there so that I would say is a big surprise and I would say that was a big surprise to our families and friends and people we knew at Dartmouth right for Eric going into the ministry for sure was a big surprise. Uh, he was not a Christian for almost all of his time at Dartmouth. So that turn and me too, I mean, going into the ministry, I think people who knew me knew it was a strong commitment on on my behalf, you know, and I was really involved in campus ministry. But, you know, I think for many people, both of us going into the ministry, big surprise. And I think also just big surprise for us is how much we really love it. You know, um, you, you hear a lot about burnout in pastoral ministry and stuff. It's The skill set is very large. You know, you have to be able to public speak. You have to be able to manage a budget that's often over a million dollars. You know, it's like running a business, but it's not, right? And Mm -hmm. you have to be able to counsel people and you have to be able to do a wedding. There's just, it's a large variety of things and it can be challenging. So I think we've been very surprised with just how much we love it and how much we love the people that in all the three churches we've served. It's been amazing, really. You know, of course there are its challenges, but overall we just... Think we've got the best job there is and
1: we're having fun. It's interesting to me though that you, you're a person of faith, you were involved in the ministry avocationally, mm-hmm. and you were thinking, law. So I'm wondering what what you had been thinking your skill set was yeah. or your strengths in that area were that either were not actually the case. And then you found these others, right. or there's a lot of overlap. Is there anything? that um, Any
0: other- I'm not sure about that. I honestly, like I said, I just hadn't really found my passion. I'm not sure I thought my skill set was suited to that. It was one of those things where you go to Dartmouth, like you're going to either do corporate recruiting, or you're going to go into law or medicine. And I, you know, that's not entirely true. But that's kind of a stereotype, right. And so I wasn't going to go into medicine, that's for sure. And I don't know if I took a science class. Well, I suppose we had to, but <laughs> I don't remember too much. You know, I wasn't going go to go corporate recruiting. I literally didn't even know what that was until all of my friends were like, well, I got this interview with blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> so yeah. I think it was a little bit of a default. And I think that's why I was probably open to this call that I felt like, I'm not sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing anyways, you know? Right. So I was probably more open okay. to another path.
1: Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that period of time? So between like waking up and saying, what am I doing with this LSAT and this whole legal profession to deciding, oh, but, but here's this really clear path for me over here. It was it clear or, you know, what were this, with the progression, what was the progression to get you to there? Yeah.
0: Um, it was pretty clear. I will say, strangely, I, we were a little bit different or I was a little bit different as a senior in college. I actually got engaged that February. So, yeah. you know, Eric had already graduated. And when he came back from Siberia, we got engaged, which definitely kind of changes the whole end of college experience, right? Because instead of, you know, totally stressing about, am I going to go corporate recruiting or this? Like I was planning a wedding, <laughs> right? Right. So that is a little different. And at that point, we were deciding to go together on to uh, grad school. And, you know, uh, Divinity School is three years. So there was no real like... We need to figure this out immediately. Like, we were going to be students for another three years. So, I will say that kind of gave me a different experience than most at the end of their college. You know, everybody's looking to go get in the workforce right away, and, and it was going to be a while until so that happened for me, yeah. you know.
1: So, was that decision, did you guys each come to it independently? Like, I want to go to seminary. I want to go to really? seminary. Or was it kind of like, oh, we're both searching and we're searching in the same area, and this thing looks good. Let's do it together. How did that?
0: Like I said, I was turning from law school while I was living in Texas doing that that Tucker Fellowship. So I applied to just a nice little Lutheran seminary in Minnesota where I'm from called Luther Seminary. Well, when Eric came back and had become a Christian and we got engaged, I know I'm making this huge story into a tiny thing, but um, he also wanted to study Christianity more academically because he was like a brand new believer, right? And so he's a, like I've mentioned before, he's very academic. He's very intellectual. He wanted to understand a lot more. He had actually taken at Dartmouth some history of the, of Christianity and was very kind of fascinated by it. So his idea, he's like, yeah, OK, we're getting married. You're going to seminary. How about we go to like Yale or Harvard, like a non-denominational seminary instead of the Luther Seminary? And then I can kind of figure this out and I can become a professor or something mainly maybe. Okay. So I pulled my application from Luther. We both applied to Yale. That's how that worked out. And I will say my time at Yale, that's where I really found like my intellectual like passion and academic passion. I loved studying Greek and Hebrew and the history of the church and preaching. And you just have to study so many different things, you know. So it was just an awesome time for us.
1: And so now you have lots of awesome times ahead of you. You have, you know, one child off. I guess you're at the point where you're trying to make sure that they're... Um, you know, plied with all the life lessons they need as they leave you mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, so do you find yourself reflecting on, wow, I wish I had known this and that then I'll pass that on?
0: Yeah, I kind of
1: think there's some sort of bliss and ignorance a lot of it when you've just kind of going by the seat of your pants, you know. Well, and I'm thrilled that you're, you have a pulpit uh, for working through those mm-hmm. things and kind of helping people at all stages where they are um, not only in your congregation, but on your podcast. And so I hope that your words do go wide and far. And I enjoy, enjoy it. it. All right. Well, thank you, Michelle, for spending time with us. And um, I'm glad we could connect. Thanks together. a lot for having me. That was Michelle Erickson Waters, a retired pastor who continues to do pastoral work in a number of ways including through her writing and the podcast Pastors Confidential, which she co-hosts with husband Eric Waters, Dartmouth95. Find her writing and the podcast at MichellejoyWaters at Michelle with 2Ls.com. And find me, Leslie Jennings Rowley at com, or with another friend on the next episode of Roads Taken.